0: just really quickly before we begin, I just want to ask a quick question. Have you ever been um, asked to do something that you thought maybe was impossible? Something that you thought was really, really hard? (laughs) Maybe it wasn't exactly impossible, but it was something that seemed impossible. Something that was so major and huge that you're like, nobody can do this. This is not humanly possible to do. Have you ever been asked to do something like that? Have you ever done something in your life that no one else would do? Like, everybody knew that it needed to be done, everybody knew that something needed to be said, but nobody would step up and do it, so you had to be that person that steps up and says something, or that steps up and, and accomplishes something, have, you, have that ever happened to you? If it hasn't, it probably will in your life. Um, sometimes in our lives we are asked to do the impossible. Sometimes we're asked to do things that is out of our comfort zone, and, um, and that's just how life is. And sometimes we're uh, forced to do things that nobody else will do. Sometimes, the, you know, nobody else is stepping up. Somebody has to do it. I guess I'll be the person, you know, <laughs> that type of thing. Um, and just while you're thinking about that, I just want to say good morning and welcome to Bethesda. So glad that you guys were able to be here today. And uh, this is our second week of a six-part series entitled Expense the cost of a life worth living. Last week we talked about uh, Daniel chapter 1. We went over it, and we talked about the word discipline and how living a disciplined life can lead to a life that's worth living. And we looked over Daniel chapter 1 together. I encouraged you to go back and reread it last week. Did anybody get that done? Anybody go back and reread Daniel chapter 1? Good job. Good. (laughs) So uh, um, I encourage you to do that. There's so many awesome things in Daniel You won't want to miss it. There's a lot of really, really, really good things in the book of Daniel, um, especially in chapter 1. There's so many awesome things happening. And um, so this week we're going to look at Daniel chapter 2, and this chapter is pretty long. It's about 49 verses long, so we won't read the entirety of it. Um, I will paraphrase some, um, but we will read lots of it, but not all at once, so at least it won't be like, ugh about our reading and stuff like that. But if anybody has their Bible and they want to turn to Daniel chapter 2, we'll start at verse 1 and we'll go to verse 19. I'm reading from the NLT version. One night during the second year of his reign, Nebuchadnezzar had such disturbing dreams that he couldn't sleep. Now this is the second year, and last week we talked about how Daniel was a prisoner of war, and he was taken captive to Babylon when he was around the age of 15, 16 years old. So this is the second year of of King Nebuchadnezzar's uh, reign, so that puts Daniel at around 17 years old. He's a 17-year-old teenager, he's a young kid, um, and so he's already a a wise man, so to speak. Uh, He's a, a trusted advisor to the king already. And uh, so this is our, he's a young kid. Can you imagine being 17 years old and being an advisor to the President of the United States? Anybody imagine that? (laughs) That would be pretty terrifying to me, I think. But so anyway, um, this is the second year. And so King Nebuchadnezzar is having these awful, disturbing dreams. So he calls his magicians, enchanters, sorcerers, and astrologers. And in this time in Babylon, it's an empire that is very accepting of many different cultures. And not only many different cultures, but they're very accepting of different religions, different uh, walks of life, different viewpoints, different things like that. They're they're accepting of all these different things and, and actually it's kind of kind of like the United States is today, if you think about it. We're very accepting to everything and everything's good and everything's okay and everything's, you know, awesome, and that's how our culture is moving. It's moving into that area. So it's very similar in that sense. And so the king is very worried. He calls all these magicians, enchanters, sorcerers, astrologers, and he demanded that they tell him what he had dreamed. As they stood before the king, he said, I have had a dream that deeply troubles me, and I must know what it means. Then the astrologers answered the king in Aramaic, Long live the king. Tell us the dream, and we will tell you what it means. But the king said to the astrologers, I'm serious about this. If you don't tell me what my dream was and what it means, you will be torn limb from limb and your houses will be turned into heaps of rubble. But if you tell me what I dreamed and what the dream means, I will give you many wonderful gifts and honors. Just tell me the dream and what it means. And here I see the king, Just he realizes that these enchanters, these sorcerers, these magicians and astrologers, all these different people, to me, it seems like the king's on to him a little bit. Like, he realizes that they're just telling me what I want to hear most of the time. And, like, they come up with this idea, and they get these, uh, they get together, they come up with an a interpretation of my dreams, and they tell me that I long live the king, you're going to be king forever, you're awesome, you're going to be the best reigning king in all time. And so even he seems like, you know what, not this time, guys. I don't want you guys just telling me what I want to hear So I want you to tell me my dream, and then I want you to tell me what it means. So I need you to tell me the dream first. And that just blows the minds of the people, of of the enchanters and astrologers and stuff like that. And they said again, please, your majesty, tell us the dream, and we will tell you what it means. And the king replied, I know what you are doing. You're stalling for time because you know I'm serious when I say, if you don't tell me the dream, you are doomed. So you have conspired to tell me lies, hoping I will change my mind. But tell me the dream, and then I'll know that you can tell me what it means. The astrologers replied to the king, No one on earth can tell the king his dream. And no king, however great and powerful, has ever asked such a thing of any magician, enchanter, or astrologer. The king's demand is impossible. No one except the gods can tell you your dream, and they do not live here among people. The king was furious when he heard this, and he ordered that all the wise men of Babylon be executed, and because of the king's decree, men were sent to find and kill Daniel and his friends. When Arioch, the commander of the king's guard, came to kill them, Daniel handled the situation with wisdom and discretion. He asked Arioch. Why has the king issued such a harsh decree? So Arioch told him all that had happened. Daniel went at once to see the king and requested more time to tell the king what the dream meant. Then Daniel went home and told his friends, Hananiah, Mishael, Azariah, what had happened. He urged them to ask God of heaven to show them his mercy by telling them the secret so they would not be executed along with the other wise men of Babylon. That night, the secret was revealed to Daniel in a vision. Then Daniel praised the God of heaven. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for um, many blessings. God, thank you for the ability to be able to read your word and the ability to be able to pull things out of it, God, that we can apply to our every single day life. God, your word is so rich and so awesome, and there's so many great things within it. And we just thank you for putting those things in there that we could see those and pull them out. God, I ask today that you would help us to be receptive to your spirit as it tries to help us understand what you're saying and what you want us to hear and, and, and what you want us to feel. And God, I just pray that you would open our hearts, our minds, to everything that you have to say to us today. We love you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Daniel shows a trait in this chapter that I find very, very intriguing. <laughs> he, he shows a trait that I want to talk about. Last week, like I said, we talked about discipline. If you didn't listen to that sermon, I encourage you to go back to it. On the, We have it posted on Facebook. You can go back and listen to it. Um, we talked about how living a disciplined life can, can help you. And so, But this week, I want to highlight boldness. I want to highlight Daniel's boldness. Um, in, this, in this chapter, he, he's very bold. And at this point, Daniel's probably thinking what everybody else is thinking. You know, everybody's saying this is an impossible task. Nobody can do this. This isn't something that is normal. Have you guys ever seen uh, a dream interpreter or a counselor or a psychologist that can interpret dreams? I've seen these things. I've seen people, you know, they have imagery, they have sciences that, that try to, you know, interpret the meaning of dreams. But hardly ever, and do you see someone say... I can tell you what you dreamed before you even tell me. <laughs> like, you don't even need to tell me what you dreamed. I already know what you dreamed and then I'm going to tell you what it means. That heart that never happens. And if it does, it's probably like a 1 in a million chance that they get it right. I'm not saying that it's never happened before, but it, you know, this is something that's never been done and they're even telling the king. Nobody's done this. This nobody how great how they, you know, nobody it doesn't matter. Nobody's done this before. And so they're amazed and they're dumbfounded. And Daniel's probably thinking the same thing. He's thinking this is impossible. You know, this is impossible for me. It's impossible for the enchanters. It's impossible for the sorcerers, uh, the astrologers, and all the little G-gods that the Babylonian people serve. It is absolutely impossible. You can't do this. But Daniel's thinking to himself as well, I serve a God who does the impossible. I serve a God who who makes things happen when people say they can't happen. I serve the type of God who makes a way when people can't see the way. And, and my God actually is the way. That's the kind of God I serve. He, he is the way. And Daniel sees this, he recognizes this, and he thinks, maybe just for a second, if I get a chance to talk to the king, then I can persuade him to give us just a little more time so that we can maybe take a stab at the meaning of this dream. And so he goes, and he talks to the king, and he requests He asks, he doesn't demand, he just requests. He says, hey, can we get a little time? Maybe we can interpret your dream for you. And so the king says, okay, you can do that. And he goes home, he finds his friends, and immediately he says, guys, we have to pray. We have to get down on our knees, we have to petition heaven. He urged them, the Bible said, that he urged them, that they needed to pray and that they needed to come together so that God could reveal to them the dream and then reveal to them the meaning so that they don't lose their life. Later that night, I mean, I can only imagine how how long they prayed, how scared they could have been. I mean, this is life and death. It's easy to read it and just be like, oh, they were getting ready to die. But if you really think about back to your life, situations in your life to where you thought, this is life and death. Like that that true fear that comes over you, if you've ever had a, a test result come back negative and maybe you had to do a biopsy or maybe something and you just thought man this is life and death this is scary and you're praying and you're you're seeking God and you're like God and this is how I imagine the anguish and what Daniel's truly feeling in this moment as he's facing certain death if he can't tell the king what he had dreamed and what it means so they're up they're praying finally God speaks to them and says what the dream is and he says what the dream means, and then Daniel just praises God, and he just goes out. He praises God. There's a whole section of that, and uh, it's awesome. So then he goes. He goes to find the commander of the king's armies. So then Daniel went to see Arioch, whom king had ordered to execute the wise men of Babylon, and this is verse twenty-four. Take me to the king, and I will tell him what the meaning of his dream is. Arioch quickly took Daniel to the king and said. I have found one of the captives from Judah who will tell the king the the meaning of his dream. The king said to Daniel, also known as Belteshazzar, Is this true? Can you tell me what my dream was and what it means? And Daniel replied, There are no wise men, enchanters, magicians, or fortune tellers who can reveal the king's secret. But there is a God in heaven who reveals secrets. And he has shown King Nebuchadnezzar what will happen in the future. Now I will tell you your dream and the visions you saw as you lay on your bed. While your majesty was sleeping, you dreamed about coming events. He who reveals secrets has shown you what is going to happen. And it is not because I'm wiser than anyone else that I know the secret of your dream, but because God wants you to understand what was in your heart. And this is a very bold move for Daniel, I think, to stand before the king and s- not take credit for this. <laughs> How many of us would have had trouble walking before, like, the king with this information that nobody else could get? And, like, there's no proof. There, like, it doesn't say that, you know, Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego are in the, in the room with him and the king. So he could have just easily said this was all my, like, I, I came up with this. I know what you dream because I'm awesome. <laughs> like, he could have done that easily. It would have been very difficult not to, I think. But Daniel shows boldness. He's, he, he, he takes the whole thing off of him and puts it on to God and says, listen, it's not because I'm smart. It's not because I'm wise. It's not because I know more. It's not because I can interpret dreams better. It's simply because God wants you to know is the reason I know. It's because of God. That's why. And, and he gives God the honor and the glory immediately from that. And that takes boldness, I think. I, I think that takes a lot of boldness not to take that credit. He takes the risk of not getting uh, promotions, or he takes the risk of not getting, like, you know, all these different things. So he goes on. He tells him the dream and the meaning and what it ends up being, and that's verses 31 through 44. We won't read that part today. Um, you can go back and read that yourself. But really what it is, is there's a statue, the gist of it, um, and it's uh, made out of like iron, bronze, clay, silver, gold. And it represents this awesome empire. And then there's a huge stone that's hewn out of a mountain, and it comes rolling down, destroys the statue. And basically what it symbolizes is that there's going to be a new kingdom, a new thing rising up that will come and destroy this kingdom and be greater and, and have it. So that's basically what it, it symbolizes. And Daniel reads that to him and he and he goes and he speaks to the king. Instead of reading that little part, I, I just want to highlight four things that I think that bold people do on a daily basis. Four things that bold people accomplish, that they are actively doing most of their lives, that they have these things. There's several, but I just want to highlight four that I see that Daniel does here. And if you take notes, you can take notes on this. Number one is they own their strengths and they own their weaknesses. They own their strengths and their weaknesses. Daniel knows his strengths. He knows that he's a smooth talker. He knows that um, he was able to convince the guard last week in Daniel chapter 1 to allow him to eat his diet of vegetables and water. He, he, he knows how to talk people into things. He knows how to, you know, to use the right tact in order to get on there. You know, he knows how to do this. He's good at that. That's his strength. But he also realizes that he's not intelligent. He says it. I'm not wiser than them. I'm not smarter than these guys. I'm not smarter than anybody else. He knows that's one of his weaknesses. He knows that. And and something I see that a bold person really does is that they're very self-aware. They know what their strengths are, they know what their weaknesses are, and they can play to those things. They they stay within their strengths and, and they have other people help them out with the things that they're weak in. And that's how things operate. That's how organizations operate. They have teams and they have a lot of people who are good at this thing, and then they have a lot of people who aren't good at this. So they have to cast and and hire a whole new people, a whole new set of people to do this thing. And then it's the same thing all the way down an organization. And that's how a church is run as well. Like, you need everybody doing a job, doing something that they're gifted at, and everybody working together to make something work efficiently. It takes that in a church. People serving. And that's what we're always encouraging people. You know, find something to do. Find a ministry to serve in within the church. Find something you can do. There's, there's something that everybody in this room is gifted in. And if you don't believe that, it's not true, okay? It is, well, it is true. It's not true that you don't believe that, you know? But so, um, anyway, <laughs> I butchered that whole sentence right there. So, anyway, what I'm trying to say is if you're that person and you're thinking, I'm not smart enough to teach the children's church, Or I'm not friendly enough to greet. Or you know, there's all these different things. Or I'm too old to do this. I'm just I'm too old. That's a young person's game. All those things are lies. And God is a God who is smart enough to teach. Okay, He's smart enough to help you. He can He can give you wisdom. He can give you strength and courage to accomplish tasks that you never thought you could do. He could give you just like He gave Daniel this uh, interpretation of the dream. He gave Daniel all these things. He blessed him with these things. He can give that to you in order so you can serve and work within a church and do some amazing things. And he will do that for you. We encourage you to find your strengths, find your weaknesses, and help serve within the church. That's an awesome thing to do. Number two is they keep clear priorities. Number two, they keep clear priorities. Daniel is a person who knows his priorities. He knows them well. God is number one. Whenever the king gives him more time, he goes back and he immediately prays to God. He immediately goes back and just petitions heaven. He knows that is number one in his life. And then everything else comes after that. And so I ask you, is God number one in your life? If he's not, he should be. You know, that should be number one. That should be your number one in life. That should be priority number one. Number two, you can have family there. Hopefully your family is number two. After God, and if they're not, they should be. And everything else can fall in after that. Your church, your work, everything else can fall in after those things. But your, but God and family should be one and two every time. And so, priorities are something that a bold person does, and it's a bold person knows their priorities and they keep them clear and they focus on them. If you want to be a bold person. Put God first. Number three, they speak up. Daniel realizes that this is now or never. This is a now or never situation. I either get to speak to the king and and petition for more time, or I die along with my friends. I die along with the other wise men of Babylon, and that's it. Like, this is now or never. I have to step up and say something. I have to do something here. Daniel is an awesome man, and he's very bold And he steps up to the king. He's not rude about it. He's not, you know, a jerk about it. He doesn't go to the king and say, you never gave me even a chance to even do this. You you made this decree to kill all the wise men without even giving us an opportunity. He didn't do that. He wasn't rude about it. He wasn't mean about it. But he did it in a nice way. He requested, the Bible says, he requested a little more time. And I imagine if he did go in rude, (laughs) then he probably just would have been immediately killed right then and there. A bold person, just because they speak up and say what other people may not want to say, a bold person isn't a rude person. A lot of times a bold person will hide behind that mask. They'll say, I'm just bold. I just say what's on my mind. I say what's true. I just say it. Well, that doesn't make you really that bold. It just kind of makes you a jerk a little bit. <laughs> like, it, it just kind of makes you a little bit rude. And it, it's all about tact. It's how you say it. Because more important than saying what needs to be said is saying it at a certain time that it needs to be said and saying it in a way that it needs to be said. Because if you're hurting people's feelings, chances are you're not being bold, you're just being a, a rude person. <laughs> and we need to really check ourselves and test ourselves before we just announce, just say things. We, you know, We have to be a bold person and speak up sometimes. But also, I heard a saying, I'm not sure who said it, but the saying is is that everything that's said should be true, but not everything that's true should be said. And that's the truth. And I gave the example this morning that if so-and-so down the street's having an affair with the other person this down the street, just because that's true and you know it's true doesn't mean that you should go sharing that all over Garrison or all over wherever you live. That's not something that you should do because it's going to hurt someone's life. That's not your place to do that. That's not you being bold. That's you being a busybody. <laughs> that's you just gossiping. That's all that is. And just because it's true doesn't mean it needs to be said. Because if you know, a lot of times the way we say things and how we say things hurts people's feelings. And if you hurt someone's feelings, I promise you you're not acting in the will of God. <laughs> all right? If you're doing it in a mean way. Sometimes you can do it in a nice way and still hurt people's feelings. That 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 exists too. But just be careful how you say things and what you say. And more, just listen to this. More importantly, one of the most amazing and bold statements a person can make, something, a, a statement that they can make is louder than words is just being silent. You know, a lot of times I'm sitting in a, in a staffing meeting room with, with, you know, the director of our program and the coordinators and just all these different people who have college degrees. And I look around and I see all of them and i'm the only one in that room that doesn't have a college degree and i'm the only one i'm probably not the only one with insecurities but i'm just sitting there thinking how do i even deserve to be be in this place like so i just sit there but the more i hear them talk and talk and talk they're just complaining about this complaining about that given you know and i'm just sitting here listening and just being quiet and actually one of the nurses said man i wish i was more like you because you just you don't sit there and complain you just sit there and listen And then when things need to be said, you say it. And I try very, very hard to to just just be that person that's like, I don't want to open my mouth and just let you know that I'm not very smart, okay? So I'm just going to be quiet and let you think that, all right? I don't want that to happen to me. So a bold person is a person who's able to be quiet. You want to be really bold? Close your mouth sometimes. (laughs) And our last one, before I read it, I just want to read the last bit of Daniel, chapter 2 here. And this is after he had told the king his dream, he interpreted it for him. The king is dumbfounded. He can't believe that someone did it. And so the, it says this, is verse 46, Then the king threw himself down before Daniel and worshipped him. And he commanded his people to offer sacrifices and burn sweet incense before him. The king said to Daniel, Truly your God is the greatest of God's the Lord over kings, a revealer of mysteries, for you have been able to reveal this secret. Then the king appointed Daniel to a high position and gave him many valuable gifts. He made Daniel ruler over the whole province of Babylon, as well as chief over all his wise men. At Daniel's request, the king appointed Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego to be in charge of all the affairs of the province of Babylon while Daniel remained in the king's court. So Daniel's a 17-year-old boy, and now he is over all the province of Babylon (laughs) as a 17-year-old. How many of you would trust a 17-year-old to be, like, vice president of the United States right now? Anybody? Takers? Josiah, you want to be vice president? I know you're not 17 yet, but you're getting close. I might actually trust you to be president for a second. For a second, not for more than a second, though. So just, but anyway, so Daniel is, he's just young. And he's in charge of all these different things. And Daniel shows a trait and, and an act of boldness. And one of the, the last thing is, is, number four, is that he makes the most of all his wins. Whether they're small, they're big, they're large, they're whatever. He makes the most of it. And I gave the example this morning that, you know, at Easter service Sunday on Easter, we had 187 people at Bethesda, and that was awesome. I mean, it was an amazing day. That's a huge win for us. Awesome. The next Sunday, we had about maybe 80 to 90 people. We had kept one or two different families. And that seems like, oh, <laughs> we had so many people. What happened? <laughs> but we kept one to two, three families that's awesome and that's a huge win it may seem small but that is a major major win and that's something that we should celebrate as a church it's something that we should be excited about just because we didn't keep all 187 and the church isn't packed out and there's not chairs everywhere yet doesn't mean i mean one or two families at a time we're getting there we can keep reaching people we can keep inviting our friends we can keep celebrating those small wins together and we can grow and get better and that's how it works Don't lose hope. Don't lose heart when you see a lot of empty chairs in the church. I promise God is doing a work that we can't see, and he's got a plan. Don't be alarmed. God has got a plan for us all. But Daniel makes the most of this win. He accepts his promotion. He accepts it. And not only that, but he gives God honor and glory But then he does something that's truly amazing, and it takes a bold person to do it. He doesn't just accept the promotion for himself, but he brings along his friends, the ones who stayed up with him all night long, praying and and seeking God. He brings them along too. He says, listen, King, if you want three great leaders, I have three great leaders who have been really, really good to help me, and they are very smart, they're intelligent, they hear from God, they seek God, You need to bring them on as well. And so he looks at all his friends, and he brings them along. They get promoted. They're over uh, the affairs of the province of Babylon, and it's an amazing thing. And Daniel is being bold, and he's standing up for others. He's not just standing up for himself. A bold person isn't just all about himself. A bold person looks out for others. And if you want to see God truly bless you and just, just bless you beyond belief, Stand up and be bold for the thing he loves most in this entire world. And that's his children, his people. He loves us so much, he loves everybody. And we need to love them just as much as he does. And that's being bold. Many people sit and they wait for the perfect moment and the perfect opportunity to make a move, make an action. (laughs) A lot of people will just wait and they'll wait and they'll wait and I'll I'll just wait for my right moment, then I'll step in, then I'll be bold, then I'll do this. And I was talking to a a person after Easter Sunday out in the parking lot and they were telling me that, they said, you know, I really want to come to church every single Sunday and I love when I come, I really enjoy it, but I really just have a lot of things in my life that I need to fix first. And there's a lot of habits that I need to get rid of before I come, and there's just a lot of things that I'm not comfortable with that I need to shed before I come in. And it, it was really surprising to me, and at first I was just like, yeah, I understand that, you know, trying to be encouraging and positive, and, but like it hit me all of a sudden like, and I asked them, I said, do you, when you get the flu, do you go to the doctor? Get treatment? Do you go to get the Theraflu and to try to get better? Do you, or do you like treat your own symptoms? If you were to like have cancer, would you would you try to get rid of the cancer before you went to see the oncologist or whatever? Would you, would you wait? Would you do that? And they were like, No, I go to the doctor. And I was like, It's so strange. And they said, What's strange? I said, Church is like the only place that people come to and they think. I have to really fix myself before I can come in here. Like if I go in there, the, it'll, it'll crumble in on me, or they think I have to be right. That, and that's a, that's, that's a lie from, from straight from hell. You don't have to fix yourself. The Bible said that while we were still sinners, Jesus died for us, while we were still sinning. Jesus didn't say, "Hey, listen. I'm going to wait for you to come to me first, and then I'll die for you. I'm going to wait for you to say, listen, I messed up. I know I'm a sinner. You know, he didn't wait for that. He just said, I'm going to die for you right now, where you're at, what you're doing, your habits, all that. I'm taking all that on, and I'll take it to the grave. And that's what he did for us. And we get caught up in that mindset that we have to fix ourselves, that we have to get rid of our habits. But I think God is truly, he wants you first. And then he'll take care of your habits, and then he'll take care of the things that you're not necessarily comfortable with. God wants you first, and he wants you to be bold and step up and take that and accept what his son did for you. And today we'll have that great opportunity, that awesome moment. We'll get to make that choice of whether we want to be bold or not. If you guys will stand with me today. And everybody with their heads bowed and their eyes closed. I believe that you're here for a reason today. I think that God wants you to be a bold person, a person who practices being bold, who who wants to have a life worth living. But I also think that God wants you to accept what His Son has done for you. And you didn't get dressed this morning and come here and and, and get everybody loaded up and come in on purpose or on accident. This wasn't. This wasn't an accidental thing. This was on purpose. Like God had a plan. He wanted you here for a reason today. And there was a reason that you're sitting right where you're sitting. There's a reason that you're thinking exactly what you're thinking right now. There's a reason that you're hearing from heaven. And he's saying, I took that for you. You don't have to fix yourself. You don't have to worry about that, that that thing that's that's holding you back. You don't have to worry about that. I'll, I'll handle that. But come to me first. And so if you're here today and that's you and you want to make that bold move, that bold decision to follow Jesus and to accept what he did for you today, I ask that you just lift your hand and I won't come to you. I won't call your name out. And at the end, we'll just all say a prayer and and we'll just accept what Jesus did. But if that's you, go ahead and lift your hand. Amen. God sees those hands. Amen. Awesome. Hands all over the place. Good. Amen. If that was you, then just say a prayer like this. You don't have to repeat exactly after me, but just say something like this to God and mean it with your heart. Say, Father, I accept what your son has done for me. God, that while I was still sinning, that while I'm still messed up and I'm still broken, he he took my sin. He took that upon himself. And I accept that free gift of salvation. I accept that. And today I make you the Lord of my life. Come into my heart and change me. Make me new. Give me a boldness about me, God. Help me to be bold in my Christian life and my personal life. I love you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.